0: forty nights he was hungry the tempter came to him and said if you are the son of God tell these stones to become bread Jesus answered it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple if you are the son of God he said throw yourself down for it is written Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him.
1: Uh, Good morning everyone. Nice to see you. Uh, If you don't know me, I'm Sam, one of the pastors here. Uh, uh, We're going to look through that uh, passage that Bill just read to us. Thanks, Bill. And uh, So let me pray and ask for God's help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this account of uh, the Lord Jesus and being tempted in the wilderness. We pray that we would uh, understand more about him. We pray that you'd speak to us by your spirit. We pray that if we don't know you, that you would uh, open our hearts to understand for the first time uh, all that Jesus is. And we pray for those of us that do. We pray that we'd be encouraged and amazed again at who and what Jesus has done for us. We pray in his name. Amen. Uh, well, I feel it's, uh, we're slightly overdue for a when I was in Africa story. I, I don't bring them out too often, although some might disagree. Uh, I often had to kind of access fairly remote areas of uh, Lesotho, the mountainous kingdom in southern Africa, for the mission work we were doing. And so naturally, being British, uh, I decided that the only vehicle we could use was a Land Rover Defender. Uh, there's a picture of one on the screen behind me. Uh, there it is. That's Zeke. I think trying to escape, just get back into the car and uh, go. Uh, and in all my journeys... Uh, I only once had to use the winch that was on the front of the vehicle. Uh, admittedly, I was messing about, so it wasn't actually going to do anything important whatsoever, but uh, we got stuck in a riverbed. Here's a picture of it, uh, trying to get up the bank, back up uh, to somewhere you could actually drive. Uh, and uh, we uh, attached the winch, wound out the cable, put it around a tree. Uh, and we are about to uh, start pulling the vehicle out. So the cable tightened, uh, the landy kind of strained, the wheels turned gently to give it a bit of extra help, the tree stood firm, firm, and smoke poured out of the winch, and it didn't do anything, and it broke. Uh, It's quite reassuring to drive around in places like that with a winch on the front of your vehicle, because you know when there's no one else around and nothing else around, it's going to save the day. However, knowing the winch is there and the winch working, demonstrating what it says it is, is a very different thing. Uh, Last week, we saw Jesus uh, being declared as the Son of God. God the Father, (laughs) saying, this is my Son whom I love. Uh, The Holy Spirit anointing him, uh, descending on him like a dove. He's being declared as the Son of God, the, the Savior of the world. It's a full house of heavenly heavyweights, if you like. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity declares who Jesus is. He is the perfect Son of God. Fully human, fully God. Come to perfectly obey his Father in heaven, to deliver humanity, to save us all from our sins, to be in relationship with God again. But can he do what he's been declared to be. Is he who he says he is declared to be? Can he demonstrate now, like my winch couldn't, that he is what he says he is? And he needs a real world test to accomplish his mission, to demonstrate to us uh, to put it another way, uh, it's easy to stand in a murky river. If you remember, Adam showed us a picture of the, the River Jordan. It's easy to stand in a river, be baptized, voices come from heaven, doves descend. It, that's easy, isn't it? We could all do that, just stand there. It wouldn't happen. But we could have done it. It's quite another thing to face what we'll see to be the most immense temptations and yet resist them without question to not step one foot out of line with the Father's will. If Jesus had failed in what we're about to read and think about now, uh, if he had just once in his entire life put a foot wrong before God, then hope for humanity, hope for us to be reconciled to God, all of that would be lost. And that's, I think, why we have, in part, this passage today. So verse 1 of chapter 4, Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It was God's will that Jesus be tempted. This isn't a mistake or an accident. Uh, Let's be clear, God does not will anyone to fail when we are tempted. But just as he allows Job to be tested and tempted in the Old Testament to prove his faithfulness to God, so now Jesus is to be tempted, God allows it, to prove his faithfulness, to demonstrate who he has been declared to be. Uh, So let's turn our attention uh, to these three temptations. Uh, The first one I've called living by God's word, living by God's word. Have a look at verse 2. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. You don't say. Uh, he is hungry, all right. I I struggled to fast for more than about forty minutes. Uh, forty days is quite an extreme achievement. Uh, it's generally considered uh, to be about the limit of human uh, being able to survive fasting for forty days. Uh, he'd have been drinking during that time. But to go without food without for that long, he's verging on approaching death. He is physically, mentally, and, and you would assume spiritually, on his knees. How often Satan picks those sort of moments for us as well. So verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. I mean, the thought of just a little bread after 40 days and nights with no food. How desperate he must have been for food. Uh, we might wonder why it was so, would have been so bad for Jesus to turn stone into bread. It doesn't sound that bad, does it? He's able to do it, he's the Son of God, he's able to perform miracles, he's hungry. He's done 40 days and 40 nights. Well, the clue as to why this is a temptation uh, is in Jesus' answer. Have a look at verse 4. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, Jesus here is quoting uh, from the book of Deuteronomy. All his responses come from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, And I've put on the screen, I hope it's, I think you can read that, uh, or you can look it up uh, later. Uh, This is the original context from which Jesus is quoting, and it's significant. Uh, So uh, let me read it to you. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath. So God has promised the Israelites a, a, a new land, a promised land. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors, ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Uh, when the Israelites escaped Egypt, uh, they had to trust God's word. That's what this passage is about. They had to trust that God's promise to their ancestors that they would inherit a promised land. There was a, an aim, a goal to what they were doing in the wilderness, that they would uh, inherit a land of flowing with milk and honey, that God's word would be true. They had to trust that. In the wilderness, it's pretty easy to trust God when everything's nice and easy. When it's all comfortable, life's comfortable, everything's sorted, everything's handed on a plate, it's quite easy to trust God in those situations. It's quite another to trust God when life is hard. When you can't see what's at the end, you don't know the way forward in your own strength. And that's what God does with this testing for the Israelites in the wilderness. He humbles them through hunger. Will you trust my word? You know what I've promised. Do you still trust me now? Even though you can't see a way to it in your own strength. Uh, so it's in hunger and pain, perhaps uncertainty, in fear, when we are humbled and weak, that our trust in the word of God Is tested. It's when we don't have enough bread that we demonstrate that we need the word of God to live. So for us, if we're believers in Jesus, we too have a promised land, don't we? Uh, Not uh, the physical land of Israel, but an eternal life with Jesus in perfect relationship with God. And when the going gets tough, what are we living by? bread uh, earthly and temporary solutions what we can do in our own strength now or by the word of God trusting in his promises knowing what is ahead now back to Jesus what's uh, extraordinary about his situation is that he too the son of God is led into the wilderness by God the spirit to demonstrate his humility in living by God's word not his own strength Not any human strength, it is the word of God, he says. And if the word of God, the promises made to Jesus by God, is good enough for the Son of God, how good it is for us to trust in the word of God. The reason it was wrong for Jesus to eat in this instance is because it would have challenged the word of God. Satan wants Jesus to prove he is the Son of God by turning this rock into bread. Eating isn't the issue. Proving God's word by doing a miracle is the issue. If you're the son of God, prove it, says Satan. You need some food. Have a little. Or maybe you can't. Maybe you're not really the son of God. Maybe you've slightly missed... But what is God's word? Literally just told Jesus, in in our account in Matthew at least, the previous chapter, chapter 3, verse 17, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. The word of God has just told Jesus, you are the son of God. And when Satan comes to to question it, if you are, just do this. (laughs) Jesus has committed 40 days to humbling himself to seeking the, God the Father's will, to dwell in his word, to need to prove beyond what God has promised in his word would be to fail. It would be to show doubt in the word of God for all uh, that is before Jesus. He trusted God's word, even at, uh, as he faced uh, temptation and starvation, physical, mental, spiritual, So verse 4 again he says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, I wonder how many times we've spent just 40 minutes uh, studying God's word and gotten completely distracted uh, by fleshly desires. Perhaps a bit of bread, perhaps something to look at. How many times have we turned to the world's solutions for our problems rather than God's word? Doubting the promises of God's word because of the problem in front of us. Jesus literally dying of hunger, but he will not turn from his commitment to living by God's word. So we should learn to turn to the Bible, to God's word in temptation and in need. We should seek to be humble ourselves, as Jesus did, and accept the loving work of God, even when that brings us to our knees. We should pray and read our Bibles rather than look to the world. But mostly, mostly, shouldn't we marvel at Jesus? Who humbled himself, became a man, accepted God's leading into 40 days of humility and utter dependence on the Word of God. And even after all that, doesn't doubt an utterance from the Word of God. How we marvel at Jesus, who never put a foot wrong. Uh, but we're not done, uh, nor is Satan. So on to our second test. Uh, do not test the Lord. Uh, have a look at verses 5 to 6. Uh, Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, same temptation, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Uh, Whether physically or probably more likely uh, in a vision similar to the the other great visions surrounding significant uh, changes in God's covenant history with his people, Jesus and Satan go to the highest point of the temple. And Jesus and his sonship is in question again. Uh, Okay, says Satan with a twist of truth as he always likes to bring is always on the front of his lips some truth twisted somewhere you may live by the word of God you've just told me that well then let me give you a bit of God's word let me tell you one of the promises God makes to you in his word and then prove that you're his son by following God's word if you are the son of God he says throw yourself down for it is written He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in his hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It would be foolish, I think, to think that temptations are always obvious. Uh, Satan hardly stands at the doorway to our churches with horns on his head and a pitchfork in hand for all to see. No, he's in the pulpits. He's in the friend quoting scripture to us. No wonder the New Testament is full of warnings against false teachers from within the church. Satan quotes God's word to Jesus. And so uh, Jesus responds with another quote from Deuteronomy, this time from Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 16. Uh, The full verse uh, Back in Deuteronomy he says this, I think it's on the screen. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as you did at Massa. Uh, now Massa was a place uh, where the Israelites grumbled in the desert, in the wilderness, uh, that they would rather be back as slaves in Egypt than free in the wilderness and thirstily traveling through the wilderness to the promised land. Uh, Israel was so sinful that they desired slavery to an enemy nation than trusting in God's word of the promised land to come, that they would be a great nation, that they would have an inheritance before them, and so they test God. Give us water or we won't follow Moses any longer. We, we'd rather die. Send us back to Egypt. Why, God? What, why have you led me in this way? Why is my life like this? Why does this keep hap- happening? I preferred my old life. The irony is painful to see. It's familiar to our ears, isn't it? <laughs> when we put it like that. Why, God? Why is my life like this? Why did you let this happen to me? I preferred my life before I even knew you. Now I just seem called to humility and sacrifice. I'd rather go and do X, Y, or Z than go to church again or have to get to a home group or to read God's word or to pray or to humble myself. It's a testing of God, certainly a testing of his have, have we forgotten the promise of eternal life before us? Have we forgotten the first temptation where we can trust in the word of God, live by it? How we need a savior in all of those times. How we need a savior like Jesus. Uh, the irony, uh, Jesus' previous like unlo- life, unlike ours was one of actual glory and He wasn't a slave in Israel. He wasn't a slave to sin. He was in the heavens with the Father in glory and majesty. And yet, even though that was his previous uh, time, he does not grumble at the Father's request for him to give it all up. He becomes man. He will ultimately die. He's in the wilderness starving after 40 days. If anyone had a better life before, it, was, it is without question Jesus. And yet he will not test the Lord. He will trust and live by God's word. He will not elevate his own importance despite being the son of God. He will not force God's hand into serving him by throwing himself off this temple just to make sure he is the son of God. He will not respond to the taints of uh, Satan to prove again that he's the son of God. How too we must learn to accept a humble life before God. How too we must not test God or force his hand in prayer we must not demand that he serves us in some way as you know we deserve it we ought not to begrudge God's leading into difficult times how often we fail and and test God we force his hand do this God or else but our Lord Jesus our Savior does not put a foot wrong how we marvel at Jesus again. He faced the same temptations we faced, only worse. The glory of heaven is behind him and death on a cross is ahead of him. Surely a little test of God just to make sure God's word is true. Just to make sure he's the son of God. The stakes are huge. Yet he would not test God's plans and ways. He would not elevate himself and force God's hand. He succeeded in a scale beyond our reckoning or experience so that we may benefit from his perfect life. How we marvel at Jesus. But we're not done and nor is Satan the third temptation Living the road marked by suffering. (laughs) Uh, We've seen Jesus accept humility rather than elevation at every step. He lives by God's word. He will not test God. He will not force God's hand to prove God is faithful. And of course, uh, Jesus knows uh, the Old Testament scriptures. He knows what is before him. He knows the word of God that's been promised and said about him. And before him, he knows, is a a life marked by terrible suffering. A life that's going to be marked by persecution. His friends will betray him. He will have assassination attempts and murder plots. He'll have nowhere to call home. He'll have his closest friends fall asleep on him while he's praying. And he's facing death in the eyes. And ultimately a cruel Death on a true tree, as we're told in the Old Testament. At the hands of the very people he's come to save. That's the life he knows he's facing. As he faces these temptations in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. It's humbling. Excruciating. It's a painful, suffering servant's life that awaits Jesus over the next three years before he dies. He knows it he knows God's word and he knows the promises of the Old Testament he knows it for he co-authored it he co-authored this salvation plan with God the Father and God the Spirit before the world began but now in his full humanity he must face the greatest perhaps temptation of the three it's a shortcut to glory have a look at verse 8 and 9 Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Of course, as always, the temptation is uh, twisted truth here. Uh, Bow to me, says Satan, and I will make you king, ruler, prince of this world. If you bow to me, says Satan, then God's salvation plan will have failed. Satan would have apparently won. The rule of this world and this age, at least, could be Satan's, it seems, to give to Jesus. It's easy. It's quick. All that power and majesty and glory restored to the Son, who is on his knees physically, mentally, spiritually, with a life of death and suffering and service before him. All of that gone. Just bow and worship me it's the decision every human in history faces isn't it we may not realise it but we either bow and worship Satan or we bow and worship Jesus the suffering servant without God's help, we all choose Satan. That's what the Bible teaches us. It's why Jesus had to come. But Jesus doesn't choose Satan. The perfectly humble Jesus is so simple in his response. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Uh, again, we're back to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, as the Israelites uh, received the precious law of God, the headline message throughout all the laws, the Ten Commandments, the laws, the principles that surround them are summarized in this phrase, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I choose suffering, says Jesus because it pleases the Father whom I worship. It is the way God has chosen to demonstrate his great love for his people. Every mistake that Israel made, I make right in these temptations, says Jesus. Every mistake that anyone makes from this day forward, I make right in these temptations, says Jesus. Every rebellion, every sin, every temptation that is given into, since Adam and Eve uh, took the fruit till the last baby born when Jesus returns. For them, says Jesus. For you here in Worcester Park in 2022, says Jesus, I choose humility. I choose to live by the word of God for the glory of God. I accept the path before me without testing. I choose suffering and death, for I worship the one true God of eternal love. I reject the deceiving devil who has fooled every other human that ever lived. How we marvel at Jesus. Uh, For now, Jesus' work is done he's ready to begin his ministry it's been declared who he is father son and holy spirit it has been demonstrated who he is as he stands against satan and trusts in the word of god and so the angels attend to him he's restored to physical strength and it is time as we'll see next week for him to preach the word of god let us marvel at the perfect humble suffering servant jesus Let us see him before us as we face temptation and sin. Let us copy his example in trusting in the word of God, in choosing humility in all things. But most of all, let us accept the perfect life of Jesus in our place through belief, through repentance, and through humility before him. He has conquered sin and evil. He has died in our place. The promises in God's word of our salvation and an eternal life, an eternal promised land with him, is sure. Because Jesus has achieved it. Let's marvel at him. Let me pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, how we marvel at your Son, Jesus. If we don't know him, show him to us afresh today. Open our hearts, allow us to repent, allow us to humble ourselves and to see that we need him. The man who never put a foot wrong so that we may have His righteousness. We may inherit what He has earned for us. May we marvel at Jesus today and every day. May we see Him in our vision when we are faced with temptation. May we trust in His great love and His promise of forgiveness and eternity. May we never question the word of God, and when we do, may we see again and marvel at the Lord Jesus. We praise you for him. Amen.